Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. The e-commerce podcast is all about helping you deliver e-commerce wow. And to help us do just that, I am chatting with today's guest, Ryan Flanagan from Nuance Media about grow your business with growth driven advertising on Amazon. Yes, that is actually as sexy as it sounds. So we are going to get into that. But before I jump into that uh, with Ryan, uh, let me suggest a few other e-commerce podcast episodes that I think you'll enjoy listening to around this whole topic. Uh, There's five steps for success. I need to start that sentence again. Five steps for successful Amazon branding with Drew Morgans, who's a top bloke, and also understanding growth hacking for your business with Chris Raven. You can find these and our entire archive of episodes on our website for free at ecommercepodcast.com. Net. Now, this episode is brought to you by the e-commerce cohort, uh, which is basically there to help you deliver e-commerce wow to your customers. Ryan, I'm sure you've met over the years uh, folks who have got stuck with their e-commerce website or they've got siloed into just working into one or two areas of their business and miss the big picture. Well, I was the same, exactly the same. Uh, I nearly lost my entire business as a result of it. So the e-commerce cohort is here to solve that particular problem. Yes, it is. It is like, it's a lightweight uh, membership group. Kind of works similar to a mastermind, uh, but it's kind of like you get involved, you do stuff, you work together, and it covers all the areas of e-commerce to stop you getting siloed, stop you losing sight of the big picture. It's just a great thing to get involved with if you are involved with e-commerce. If you've got any questions or you want to know more, check out ecommercecohort.com or you can email me, matt, at ecommercepodcast.net with any questions because I think it's definitely worth checking out if you are in e-commerce. So all of that said, let's get into today's topic with Ryan, who is the CEO of Nuanced Media. He has spent more than 15 years in e-commerce, multi-channel digital marketing and third (laughs) third party marketing places. He's worked with hundreds of companies to establish best practices, focusing on the 20% that produces 80% of the revenue the Pareto principle. Now, Ryan is passionate, uh, a passionate thought leader in e-commerce. He has been interviewed and quoted by the who's who, BuzzFeed, Modern Retail, and many others. So to crown off his whole life's work and achievements, he thought the one thing I need to do now is appear on the e-commerce podcast. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Great that you're here, but Thanks, Matt. My bucket list is now complete, or will be in about a month. <laughs> That's exactly it, right? That's exactly it, which is just fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's great that you're here. Now, uh, Nuanced Media, right? We talked about that in the bio. Uh, what? Tell me about Nuanced Media. What is it? Sure. Uh, Nuanced Media is a boutique agency. We've sold hundreds of millions online for our clients. We've been around about 12 years, but really... What we do that I think is a little bit different than the rest is we basically won't work with you unless we can win for you. Um, We do analysis of anybody we bring in. We don't just bring in anybody on that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really about more value-driven based and helping people be successful on the Amazon platform. Um, And then we also help people with kind of multi-channel on the Shopify side of those things. But along with that, um, if we aren't the good fit for you and we're not the best fit for everybody, 
uh, we actually have a referral partner group that we can refer out and find you the right fit for where you are in your business right now to, to help you be successful. Um, big fan of win-wins. This life mm-hmm. is too short not to help people win. Um, yeah. And that's really what we focus on at Nuance Media. Fantastic. And so uh, I like that uh, we won't work with you if we can't win with you. I, I think it's a great phrase. Um, it's, and it, have you found that you, the more successful you've got, Nuance Media's got and you've grown, you can start to be a lot more choosy is a wrong phrase, but you know what I mean? You can, you can start to say to clients, actually, we're going to be a good fit for you. We're not going to be a good fit for you because you've not got that where's payroll coming from this month fear hanging over your head there's that point but there's also in my gauge um sometimes a lack of expectation setting for people you know everybody you see the youtube ads all the time you see the facebook ads somebody in a high rise talking about how they made five million dollars in two weeks doing this type of thing on five dollars um and that's just not the reality Mm. Right. And you need to have real conversations with people before you engage in maybe a fifty, two hundred thousand dollar engagement to say, if you're going to launch this project or you're going to do this thing, this is what it's really going to cost. This is the ad spend. It's a six month timeline to get there. You need to get reviews. You need to do these things. And we find that we have a lot more long term relationships. And that's what we're really in for is long term mm-hmm. good relationships with people. Um, by saying those expectations and being upfront about them from the get-go. Yeah. And, and if you don't do that, you're just not doing people justice, right? Yeah. Um, and hard to sleep at night. So that's why we try to avoid doing that. Yeah, I like that. And there's an integrity about it, isn't there? And and, um, and actually, ultimately, I think it makes your business more successful because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're picking clients and projects that actually that you can win for them and conversely, they're going to win for you. And so... You know that I remember when we were starting out years ago, and maybe you've done this, maybe you haven't, uh, Ryan. Uh, especially with agency, where you just say yes to everything and everybody because you just need to get started, uh, and you say yes to people that you know full well that you shouldn't because you know they're going to be a royal pain in the backside. But you kind of you still do it because you need to make payroll. I, I I can only think of one client that we said no to in the early days, and that's because he wanted us to do a porn website. And I was like, dude, I've got I've got a set of standards that I'm not prepared. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but but other than that, and we found actually that the as soon as we started uh, weeding out clients and saying no to clients, life became a lot easier because you could spot the ones that wanted you know, the project for the least amount of money, but they were going to give you the most amount of hassle, right? Right. Yep. And that, or getting into things that you actually don't do mm-hmm. and trying to do that for a client, right? And then no one's happy at the end of the day. So it's two parts. It's A, making sure that you can be successful for a client by writing projections, by writing models and having the conversation like, hey, it's a $50,000 gamble and it's a 50-50 shot here, right? Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? Um, and we don't really know the data until we get into it either. Um, as well as this is what we do very well. And if you need social media advertising or something like that, we don't actually do that, but we do have partners that we work with that can help you. And then we can help manage that relationship as well. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty valuable too, because unfortunately, and Nuance Media is a full service agency. Um, but with that, we're full service on the Amazon and kind of Shopify platforms but we don't play in those other areas as much as we yeah. used to um, because we weren't honestly doing it as well as we wanted yeah. to. 
Yeah. Um, so by ha- managing that relationship, by speaking up front about what you do and what you don't do, and then having the network where you can help people, even if you're not going to be a good fit for them, I find that everybody comes out significantly happier. Um, and you can see our reviews on Clutch and all these type of things. And it's worked very well for us by kind of taking more of that uh, ethical stance. And just at the end of the day, how do you live a good life? How do you win? How do you do that with everybody? Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's brilliant. Absolutely. And so over the years, I'm guessing as Nuance Media has been going on, you've kind of, you've discovered your niche, your talents, you know what you're going to be good at, you know what you need to stop doing. Um, the, the, I always had a business coach who um, who asked me the, you know, those questions, what are you going to do more of, get rid of, and what are you going to do less of? And it's as you grow and mature, you figure that out. So one of the things that you guys have settled into is this whole area on Amazon and what you call growth-driven uh, advertising for Amazon. What do you mean by that phrase? And what? And, and then let's get into what what you've sort of discovered there. Yeah. So what we're seeing, I'm going to kind of take a step back and talk about what we're seeing on Amazon in general compared to, you know, during COVID or before that or any of the time period. When you look at the journey of Amazon, Amazon's been really growing at an exponential rate for a very long time, yeah. right? Uh, five years ago, you could throw up a picture and put up some words, uh, words. you could put up some uh, information and really start selling right off the bat and make millions of dollars and grow pretty quickly from that. But that's not the same anymore on Amazon. We're seeing, uh, again, more and more competitive on a weekly basis on this. You're seeing uh, more aggressive ad spend. You're seeing basically a maturation of the market. Um, if you look at the bell curve, I think we're you know still going on the upside, but we're kind of at this level that things are just getting more competitive and how do you start managing that? Yeah. Um, and essentially the old <clears throat> method of just managing pay-per-click and not looking at data or segments or any of these type of things is just not doing it uh, for clients in general. The other thing that we see on Amazon is, and we work with a number of different catalogs and and clients that way, but we typically see the Pareto principle as you were talking about earlier, but on Amazon, we call it kind of um, on steroids. So the Pareto principle, 20% makes 80% of your revenue. On Amazon, sometimes we see like 2% of your catalog is making 98% of your revenue. Oh, wow. It's it's just really insane. You'll see a, a SKU or an ASIN making you know, um, $100,000 a month or, or more than that uh, compared to the rest of the catalog that's only making $50,000, right? So what we need to do in that level is take our efforts and make sure that we do not lose that competitive advantage on the the ASINs that we're really winning on. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you look at that, uh, it comes down to a few different things, but the first thing is uh, setting up a segment analysis on this. So one thing that's been hard to gauge on Amazon, and we found this extremely valuable, is how is the market performing compared to how it used to uh, perform? So when looking at your listing, we actually do analysis and take a the top roughly 100 ASINs that are similar to your product. So mm-hmm. we're not talking about the beauty catalog if we're looking at lip liner or something like that. We're talking about very tight competitive margins on who mm-hmm. are these people who are lip liners that have sold over $500 a month that have over 300 reviews that are kind of in this space, right? Um, and then you look at on a monthly basis of how you grew compared to your competitors. Mm-hmm. 
Now, the important thing of looking at that is if your market's up 100%, you could be celebrating, you know, looking at, hey, we're up 100% month over month. But then you look at the segment and the segment's up 300%. Mm -hmm. Well, then you're actually losing market share overall. Mm -hmm. um, and on the vice versa, like if you're down 15%, and we've had this, right, with some clients, we're like, hey, we're down. What's going on? You guys aren't doing your job or, or what's happening. And then we actually look at that and the market's actually down 30%. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to really establish that what I like to call kind of a control group to find out where you're doing, how you're doing on the marketplace and be able to have that real conversation of what's going on and how do we position ourselves about that. Now, once you have that established, it really comes into what we like to call more data-driven uh, advertising and really holistically looking at your listings. So this is a age-old con, uh, concept that we've been talking about in Google pay-per-click and these type of things. If you're running Google shopping ads and somebody clicks on there and they come to the website and it takes five seconds to load, you're not going to make as many sales, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and you kind of see that. And people take that for granted a little bit on the Amazon platform because it is all kind of templated and systematic mm -hmm. on those levels. Sure. But what we've seen is kind of twofold is one split testing, basically your title of your listing, your main image, your A plus content, and you actually have the capabilities to go in there and split test those things on Amazon to really increase your overall results. The other side of this is when you're running your pay-per-click campaigns and doing those things, you will find words, you know, phrases that convert better than others. Mm -hmm. And what we do on that is we find those keywords that are really converting and then integrate them back into the text of the listing. Okay. Because then you can organically rank higher for those. And they have a higher conversion rate, which will drive more sales, which mm -hmm. will kick the flywheel off and really start growing on those things. So we've gotten some pretty interesting results and I can walk you through some of those. But mm -hmm. that's really kind of the concept of growth driven advertising is don't treat your full catalog the exact same because it's not the full same. You know, look at your hero listings, the one that you're making really, really strong uh, return on investment on, and then have a real conversation of how do we do this better than everybody else? And a lot yeah. of the time needed to do that because they are your hero ones and we're seeing conquesting coming in all the time and you really don't want to lose your position. But also we see by coming in and doing this really right, for listings that already have a good sales velocity, we can mm. sometimes do and three X those uh, yeah. by doing that, depending on the opportunity. So uh, there's just a lot of common sense there, isn't there? And it's just that kind of uh, that kind of idea, which I, I think so often we just don't think about. And that's actually we've got a product here doing well. How can we make it do better? And and so you're starting off with this Pareto principle. And actually, this applies not just on Amazon, but I would say in the e-commerce space, you can look at your website catalog or your um, uh, SKUs or ASINs, as Amazon like to call them, you know, what it, basically your product listing. Um, and you can see what's performing well. And you're like, how do we improve this? What, what you said, Ryan, that I liked, there's two things that I want to dig into a little bit, if I may. Um, one was the segment analysis and actually just checking your... Um, Checking your growth against what's going on in your segment. How do you find that data? So if I sell, to use your example, lip gloss, how do I find the um, 
the other people in that segment who are also selling lip gloss that are doing over 500 a month and have more than 300 views or whatever the, the criteria is. Um, is. Is that something that Amazon quickly and easily gives you? Is there some software that I need to do that? Is there some right. voodoo magic that I need to partake in? What? How does it work? Right. So what we do on this is we use a number of third-party softwares to do these analyses. Some of these cost um, over six fifty six figures a year to be mm. able to get the data, do the do the analysis, and do those things. Um, unfortunately, Amazon, uh, while it is opening up more and more data on a quarterly basis at this level, historically has been pretty close to the chest on these things, mm -hmm. right? So what we use is a, a number of different software suites to basically pull this in in our software stack so we can test, review, launch, uh, build out all these type of things, mm -hmm. uh, including keyword tracking and, and a variety of things like that. So that's part of the secret sauce is the upfront investment of being able to get to the, the software so you could do the analysis to run those. Now, on the other side, if you're looking at some of the A-plus uh, split testing, uh, or just split testing in general on Amazon, if you're a brand registered um, on the platform and uh, you can typically uh, go into Amazon experiments there. And you can mm -hmm. run some of these experiments yourself on the back end as well. Mm -hmm. And those have been really helpful. That's something that Amazon launched uh, three to six months ago. And that's kind of relatively new to okay. the platform. So it's called Amazon Experiments. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So then the uh, so you find this information out using the the software stack, which is probably realistically where you're going to need to go speak to an agency because you're not unless you're going to go and spend crazy money on getting the software and figuring it out. Why would you do that, right? Um, you you figured out your um, your segment. You know what's going on there. So you're not you're measuring yourself against how you're performing month on month, week on week, or whatever it is. But you're measuring yourself against how your competitors are performing, which I think is super important, like you say. Um, what are some of the things that you, so you, to, to cite the example, I'm selling 100% more, so I'm happy, but then I realize the industry or the segment is growing by 300%. So now I'm in full on panic mode. Uh, what are some of the things that I need to sort of instantly think about here and go, hang on a minute, I need to look at this. So you've mentioned, for example, split testing your A plus content, uh, looking at keywords that convert. But what are some of the more, maybe more obvious things that um, I also need to look at if I'm not using an agency like yourself? Where, where, do, where do a lot of people get it wrong? Yeah, so it's a not really tracking the conversion data, but then not being aggressive enough, particularly with the ad spend. So where Amazon's significantly different, and it's ironic, but we, we find other agencies talking about a cost all the time and talking about lowering a cost and things like that. And that's great. Cause if I advertise on your brand, I can get a great a cost, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't mean you're going to grow at all. It means you're defending your brand, but it doesn't mean much more than that. Mm -hmm. What you really need to look at on the Amazon platform is uh, what we call your tacos. So, just quickly, I'm pretty sure your, your whole audience understands what ACOS and TACOs are, but I'll, I'll give a quick explanation. So advertising cost of sale mm -hmm. is what you have on that. So that's typically when you look at ROAS on Facebook ads or Google or anything like that, that's normally what you look at, right? Mm -hmm. um, similar kind of terms that way. So I, I spend $1, I, 
uh, sell four dollars worth at the four four hundred percent row loss, right? Mm -hmm. Or four uh, x um, on Amazon. What you want to look at is not just your A cost, because the more sales you make on Amazon, the higher you organically rank, right? Mm -hmm. So unlike Google, Google doesn't care if you're making a million sales a day or two sales a day. It's about backlinks and some of these things. Amazon says. Hey, you're making sales. We take a commission on everything. So if you're making more sales, we're going to rank you higher because you got something going on. Mm -hmm. So when you look at that, you need to really look at your advertising spend, the organic sales that you made on the platform. Okay. Right? So with that, it's the total sales that you've made on the platform, not just advertising sales and not just organic, but the total sales. So in the case that we said before, sometimes you'll be spending, let's say, $30,000 a month. And you'll be making a let's say um, three hundred thousand dollars a month organically. Mm -hmm. Well, what that is is that's a ten return on ad spend, total return on ad spend on the platform. Mm -hmm. I spent thirty thousand and made three hundred thousand mm -hmm. overall, compared to maybe your pay per click is only giving you sixty thousand back. Mm -hmm. So you're like, oh, I'm spending thirty, I'm making a two x on the a cost side of that, or it's a 0.508 uh, cost. that's not the full picture. You need to look at the 10X you're making on the platform and maybe even get more aggressive on the ACoS. That's really fascinating. So the more you spend, the more you're going to rank organically, which comes down or comes back to the point you, you raised a few minutes ago that actually understanding the keywords that then convert uh, in your paid advertising should be added then to your copy so you start to rank organically with those. So it, this becomes a whole big learning environment. Right. Well, and it's the more you sell, the more you're going to rank organically, right? Mm -hmm. So spend is definitely a component with that. Mm -hmm. But then again, you don't want to be spending on things that you're never going to rank for. Sure. However, so, yeah, I got, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got that wrong. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the more you so, sell, the, the more you, you're going to rank organically. So is this a case of then with Amazon, there's an old saying. I wish I could remember who said it. I genuinely can't. Uh, but I've got this phrase in the back of my head that those that can spend the most to acquire the customer win. Um, is it a case of that being true with Amazon, that actually you've got to go into it with your eyes open a little bit, which says I've, I've got to be prepared to spend on customer acquisition? Um, yes and no. So Amazon looks at conversion rate with everything too. Mm -hmm. So if you are spending too much and you're not making sales, well, they're going to stop serving your ads, right? So again, Amazon's really down to what gets us the most money back is mm -hmm. you know, our overall hypothesis. So if somebody is spending a ton of money, but the sales aren't converting, then you're going to start have to spend more on those ads. Mm -hmm. um, or you're not going to rank as well. You're not going to be sticky as far as a rank level. So the major components you have to look at that when you look at your listing and optimization for your listing kind of comes down to a few different components. One is very controllable, and that's what your listing and the copy that we have on your listing are, right? Mm -hmm. You control that for the most part mm -hmm. um, on those things. The second thing that you need to look at is your reviews. If you don't have four-star reviews and... Um, something close to what's uh, competing in the market, um, then you're going to have a hard time doing sales. And quite frankly, you have to rerun your pay-per-click campaigns once you kind of hit hit the each tier, right? Mm -hmm. So we say 30 reviews on average is the first tier. 
Mm -hmm. You don't want to be too aggressive on ad spend until you hit 30 reviews because no one's going to buy you under 30 reviews unless you have great branding off platform and you know, you're the next big thing that's coming through. Right. So that's the the first step on that. But then you want to reanalyze some of those keywords that may not have been converting when you hit a hundred reviews because your conversion rate kind of goes up every tier you hit. Right. The closer you go with that. Right. So there is kind of a, brand or product journey that you go with every Mm -hmm. time as you're kind of escalating and and growing with these things and a time to reassess the data that you're doing to say, well, when do we need to do integrate these keywords? When are they converting? And then when do we need to do ranking strategy around the keywords? Mm -hmm. So uh, this is, I guess, where coming back to your sort of growth driven sort of advertising Amazon, isn't it? Everything's feeding everything else in terms of the data and the learning. Uh, and it's sort of constantly going around. And so um, as you're learning more, you're changing the content on your pages. As you're changing the content on your pages, the conversion's going up, which makes your advertising spend more effective. And it, it seems to be like you're creating this almost upward spiral, this upward vortex. Have I understood it right? Yeah, it's, th- that's exactly it. So the, the analogy I like to use here is the vast majority of companies are working out like we did in the 80s. Right. Like, remember the 80s, you'd run, you do the Love Rocky the stuff, you're, yeah. you know, do all that great stuff. But Rocky was going home every night and eating pizza and Rocky wasn't eating pizza, but we were all going home and mm-hmm. eating pizza and we weren't really getting in better shape. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're kind of taking the one view of, of your workout plan. This is how I get it. I go to the gym, I yeah. work out, I do these kind of things. But as we've evolved in this, we say, hey, diet is kind of important as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So and that would be the listing optimization, the split testing, those type of things, because you're working out. But if you're eating well and you're doing protein drinks and you're not eating pizza every day, then you're actually going to get in shape a lot better. And you're going mm-hmm. to be the best brand out there that you can be. That's really, uh, really good. I like the Rocky analogy. Uh, any any analogy that includes Rocky is a, is a winner in my book, Ryan. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, I tried to keep uh, the music, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, yeah. uh, I shall stop singing there, dear listener, because frankly, you don't need that in your life. Now, well, but that really comes down to the case of what is, you know, like we are Amazon is an evolving market, right? And it's getting mm. more competitive. You have to train harder, you have to be stronger, and you have to have as much data and analysis and trying different things to beat out your competitors as much as you can. Right. And that's what we're really yeah. seeing. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I'm curious, Ryan, I don't know if you actually know the answer to this question. So you, you will have come across um, a lot of uh, a lot of products that just aren't selling for whatever reason on Amazon. Right. So it could be the content. It could be they've not got reviews. How much of it is actually down to the product itself? Like, can you take a rubbish product on Amazon and and sell it or is it because I'm I, I, slightly loaded question I'm, I'm of the opinion in e-commerce that's become very complex to do it's much easier to win in e-commerce if you have a product people want to buy in the first place do, do you know what I mean that's actually got that kind of demand yeah, yeah. if you don't have a, a product that gets reviews and reviews are a whole another conversation on Amazon right um, you're going to have a really hard time winning if mm-hmm. you can't it keep over or right around that four star mark or above, um, you know, you might want to pivot and look at another product. That, that's essentially it. Uh, you, you're going to be mm-hmm. significantly handicapped on that. Now, 
if we're talking about the larger question of brands that have really good brand and are pushing that way, um, then there's another conversation of how Amazon is actually used um, a, as a legitimacy test for people when they're purchasing, mm-hmm. right? So we work with a number of larger brands that, yes, want to be selling on Amazon, but that's not their major concept or what they're really trying to push. They want to have the best listings up that they can. They want to have good reviews, but it's really for testing the litmacy test. And maybe they're a premium product and they're two times more expensive than the other lip liner on there right? Uh, for example, and they're going to drive sales on Amazon, but they're never going to be the, the biggest winner on mm-hmm. it, right? So in that case, there is a concept of getting your listings up, managing those wells, really doing brand defense so people aren't conquesting and stealing your sales from that, and then choosing your battles of where you can scale on Amazon and where you cannot. Um, and that's really kind of a price premium level mm-hmm. because buyers on Amazon are very elastic meaning that if something's a dollar less expensive, they're going to go to the thing that's a dollar less expensive mm-hmm. if everything else is equal. Similar amount of reviews, color scope, product, those type of things. But when you have a brand that has uh, brand awareness and those things, they'll come to Amazon before purchasing to check the legitimacy of the brand, and then maybe they bounce to your website and purchase, or then they purchase on Amazon. So to give you a quick example of this, um, again, I got a Facebook marketing thing, uh, saw a, um, a mosquito uh, thing that was developed by a 18, a 17-year-old in high school and then got 10 millions of dollars of funding and had a different light array and killed mosquitoes for three kilometers around it and mm-hmm. so on. I'm like, oh, I need this. I hate mosquitoes. Everybody hates mosquitoes. And then I went up and looked at, up on Amazon and it had two and a half stars. I'm like, okay. okay, well, this is marketing this this is hogwash mm-hmm. i'm not going to touch it mm-hmm. right so there is a place for your amazon brand even if you're not going to go fully on amazon uh there is a place for your amazon brand on there for a litmacy test yeah. and we actually have seen really strong sales for um, existing brands that have brand awareness uh, just by getting on the amazon platform doing it well implementing some of the growth driven advertising uh principles and then really having the kind of conversation of this may be just an area that we come in and do pretty strong defense on this mm-hmm. and, and we will make money. This is never going to be a $10 million a year product on Amazon because of the price level, but maybe it's a $2 million a year product, right? So how does that play and where do you go on that? That's really interesting. I, I've often heard it said that if you um, – if you do Amazon well as a brand, it does grow your organic traffic to your, <coughs> excuse me, it does grow the traffic to your website, your own personal e-commerce website, which is off Amazon, that actually as you grow on Amazon, your your e-commerce business grows on Amazon as well. Is that your experience? Is that what you found? Yeah, it's, again, very holistic, right? Mm. And, and you have some kind of checkboxes with that. And quite frankly, if you're you know, if you have a website, you're in a brand and you're using a Shopify website or any of these other platforms, typically you're doing some form of advertising on that. Mm-hmm. And what happens when people do advertising, because we're getting more and more inundated for product advertising, is they do the literacy test. So they go to Amazon, they see the mm-hmm. thing and buy it, they trust Amazon, they trust the return policy. So we actually see it twofolds is A, even if you don't direct anybody to Amazon, you're going to start making brand sales on Amazon because people are going there. 
Mm-hmm. But also, if you are doing things on Amazon, uh, targeting, competitor, conquesting, things like that, which you can actually do on Amazon significantly better than any other platform that I'm aware of, mm-hmm. uh, for targeting what your competitors are doing, if people mm-hmm. are buying like you, uh, th- there's a few things. We have Amazon demand side platform and nuanced media because we are uh, working very closely with Amazon. Typically, you have to spend about $40,000 a month to even get access to the platform. Um, but we can offer that to some of our clients uh, underneath our umbrella. Uh, but by doing that, you can do pretty strong conquesting and then track the sales that actually happen on your website as well. Mm. Now, all ads go to your listing on Amazon, but you can track the sales that way too. So, yeah. you know, we don't live in a vacuum. Um, and any advertising you do on the platform is going to drive sales to your website. Mm-hmm. And any uh, advertising you do to your website is going to drive sales to Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember sitting down with one of the directors here in the UK of Amazon. And we were having conversations about all kinds of weird, wonderful things in their offices down in London. And one of the things that they said to me, uh, I can't remember the number they gave me. I wrote it down. I should dig it out. But there was a really high percentage of people that went to the Amazon website and didn't buy anything. They just went to check the reviews. And yeah. that was, that was you know, he used the example of, you know, you stood in curries or something and you want to buy a TV. You don't know if it's any good. So you're just like, well, I'm just going to go and Amazon that sort of, search on Amazon for that specific model. And I'm going to read the reviews. I want to know what people are saying about that product. And then I'm going to make a decision. Well, do I want to buy it here and now from the store or is it is it cheaper and easier from Amazon? I don't really know. But um, <clears throat> it was a really interesting concept uh, that, uh, you know, that Amazon knew this and they knew a lot of people just went on their site to to check out the reviews of products, right? So like you say, if you're on Amazon, if you've got a brand, all right, we found actually as a brand, uh, one of my online businesses wasn't on Amazon, but people, our wholesalers had put it on Amazon. And so I realized that the more I was spending on paid media to grow our website, the more they were selling. I'm like, how's that even? And then I realized, aha, they're doing Amazon. So I'm, I'm in effect putting m- money into their pocket as it were. Well, there's, there's a whole nother conversation there too, because anybody can sell your products on Amazon. And if you're not on Amazon, what listing is stood up? What mm-hmm. value prop are they talking about? Are they doing any reputation management whatsoever? Or there are, um, things that you need to be aware of. It's kind of like the old social media conversation that people were having in the mid 2000s. Like, should I be on Facebook or not? And if you're not on there, then people are going to be talking about you anyway. And it's better to be a part yeah. of the conversation. Yeah. Right. Um, and that was a big conversation with Twitter back in the day too, particularly on the customer service side of things. So you will find, and we deal with a number of brands that are pretty established that, you know, look on Amazon. They're like, we had no clue that, all these images were up and these listings were selling and they're actually saying the wrong things Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, elements to that level. So yeah, you you almost have to have Amazon as a brand defense level and no one likes it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is another thing if you are an established brand, if you're doing things, what to do. And quite frankly, we can run some analyses, find out how many people are searching for your brand, those type of things and say, is it even viable at this point or is it something Mm -hmm. you really shouldn't? So what would you, uh, I, I guess in some respects, is a, I'm answering my own question here, Ryan, as I'm thinking it in my head, how long's a piece of string? But at what point, where, where is that tipping point? Where is it that actually it makes sense for you to, to, to be on Amazon? That, that sort of the viability is like, yep, let's do this. Let's go for it now. 
So again, what we like to do, and this is kind of going back to the win-win side, is work closest to the wallet out, right? So where's your existing catalog? What is your existing catalog? And what's doing the most sales on there, right? So you don't go in there and try to put up everything just as once, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what you need to do is you need to really target out what are the best products for you and then decide to build those out and, and continue to do that. But what I would look at is go on Amazon, depending on uh, your amount of sales. If you have a product that's doing over, I'd say, ten dollars to $20,000 of sales for your website, it's probably time to really start looking at it because mm -hmm. you're really starting to grow on that. Um, it could be potentially a time to look at it even beforehand because um, Amazon's about 48% of product search in the United mm -hmm. States mm -hmm. and Google's about 35% of product search. Okay. So by just being on Google, you're actually working on a lower marketplace. Mm -hmm. um, but go on Amazon and search yourself and then see who's advertising above your brand and see if you can live with them stealing your customers because that's what's happening right now. Yeah. You're doing advertising. Uh, people go, hey, I need this mosquito killer. Uh, and I go by my brand and the mosquito killer is a horrible example because it is a horrible product. Uh, but I need the <laughs> lip liner, right? And then you go look up there and then you see the Lady Gaga lip liner instead of mm -hmm. you buy the Lady Gaga one because you're not available. Mm -hmm. right? It's and, in, uh, Yeah, it's interesting. There is a very definite strategy for uh, marketeers using Instagram, right? So you get a product, comes up on your Instagram feed, buy this product, you go to their website, um, and it's usually a company shipping from China. You know this because there's no contact information at all on the website. Uh, and it'll sell you, I'm, I, I can't remember the last example I saw, so I'm just gonna go with something off the top of my head, like a head torch for hardcore yeah. campers, right? And they'll show you this image, um, and it's like 30% off for limited time. You go to their website and it's like 70 bucks. Um, yeah. And then you go to Amazon, and you search that exact same product and it's 30 bucks uh, and I can get it tomorrow rather than in five weeks time. There seems to be this strategy, which I still don't understand by marketers. Obviously, they're just trying to get people on that sort of, I guess that sort of, uh, you know, that I'm going to buy right now, that impulse buy type thing. So I'm always surprised by how much this actually happens uh, with with uh, Instagram, Facebook as a strategy. I'm gonna sell a product which is cheap on Amazon, but I'm gonna sell it higher for impulse purchases, maybe with a sexy image or something. Um, have you, do you find that that actually, you, obviously you've, you focus on the other side, you focus on Amazon, you're selling the head torch on Amazon. Does this kind of thing help you or not? Um, it actually generates more demand Amazon and more search. Um, mm -hmm. And because of that, if you're the one advertising there, you're the one that organically ranks and you have the reviews, it actually helps because mm -hmm. it is driving more traffic because people are like, I didn't even think about buying a head torch, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's like any advertising that somebody else does for marketing and then they find us organically or see mm -hmm. our reviews. They weren't thinking about the email solicitation they just got for Amazon. Um, and then they go, well, I should probably work with a company that's credible compared to somebody who just emailed me randomly. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, and then you go there and then you buy and you do mm -hmm. that. And it's actually pretty another thing that's pretty compelling that's happening in the Amazon space is Amazon's really pivoting to working more with brands. They've really cracked down on um, the review augmentation and all the fake reviews that were happening. But they're rolling out a whole bunch of features for brands 
Um, and one of the things that they're doing to continue to drive the flywheel is if you're brand registered, you can basically put in an affiliate link to any of your marketing. And depending on the category, you can get up to 10% of the referral feedback. So on Amazon, typical referral fee for the pleasure of being on Amazon is 15%, right? Mm-hmm. You pay on 15% every time you make a sale. But now if you actually drive to your listing or your store um, and somebody purchases and you're using that from a, a Facebook or Instagram or any external marketing that you're doing, you'll actually get 10% commission back on that. So then Amazon- well, that, That's really five. interesting. Yeah, because that was going to be my next question. If I see the guy advertising the head torch on Instagram for twice the price, but I actually have the head torch, is there a strategy which says, actually, I can pay to appear on Amazon, you know, I, I, the Amazon search and I'll pay to appear there. But should I also think about using Instagram to drive traffic to my Amazon listing versus my website listing? I've asked this question, a couple of people had varying degrees of uh, response actually on the show about this. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on it, Ryan. So what we see on the platform in general is Amazon's pretty early on that. And I don't, hundred percent trust the the data that we're getting for the the conversion rate or the attribution for the sales on this right mm-hmm. so um, it's twofold a test right mm-hmm. try both and test right um, but what we typically see on the Amazon platform is Amazon has a higher conversion rate in general when people are shopping on Amazon they're shopping to buy mm-hmm. so we'll see a typical a five x the conversion rate on your Amazon store compared to your website. Just in general, yeah, right. So, but the customer lifetime value is significantly lower because you Mm -hmm. don't own the customer data, Mm -hmm. right? So, what we see on your website is the customer acquisition cost is higher, but your lifetime value is significantly higher, Mm -hmm. right? It's because you cross sell, you uh, do all those things. You have their uh, email address. You can do lookalike audiences. You can do all these other types Mm -hmm. of things. So it really depends on where you are in the journey as a, a brand. Do you have one product that you're selling? Well, then maybe Amazon makes sense because you're not cross-selling and doing all those type of things. But if you have, this is the first product in a five-step product line, then yeah. your Shopify site or your website may make more sense of that. But yeah. honestly, you have to get up and test both of those mm-hmm. to see what happens. That, that's yeah. at the end of the day what you have to do. Very good answer. Very, uh, very well balanced uh, answer, Ryan. Uh, it's a very good. First time, the first time I've ever said it, Matt. I swear. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so left field. Let me ask you an, uh, maybe a bit of a, an odd question, but I'm curious to know the answer. So, you know what? Tomorrow you wake up, you decide. You know what? I am gonna, I'm gonna set up an Amazon business. I'm going to start selling stuff on Amazon. I don't have a product yet. Um, and I see this all the time uh, on Instagram, YouTube ads. Like maybe it's just me. They advertise to me, you know, come do my course and we'll show you how to make 5 million on Amazon uh, by selling plastic widgets, which you buy from China for 12 pence and you sell them for 40, whatever it is, right? No, no bait and switch going on there whatsoever. Yeah, no, no, no whatsoever. Um, and if it was that easy, forget the course, sell the product, leave me alone. Um, but that's another story. Anyway, um, so you've got that going on, right? You, and you said right at the start, it's not actually that straightforward. It's not that simple. But obviously there are people who wake up and go, I want to now sell on Amazon. How would you approach it if you were a total newbie? right? 
how would you approach this sell on Amazon thing? Would you ignore all these courses or are there some that we should think about? I'm just, whatever, whatever comes to mind, I'm just really curious. Right, so um, I would probably take a course just so you understand, it's, you always start out with education, right? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a course, but watch some videos on it, see the product findings, see, see what they're saying on those levels. But at the end of the day, before you go buy anything, search the term that you think people are going to use when purchasing this and look at the listings, right? Are, are they all really well done? Are there good reviews? Are there good images? Are there video ads? Like where is that and where is that in the competitive horizon? And then look at the pricing of what they're selling, right? Where I think the number one area where people make a mistake is that they don't look at the unit economics, right? And that's one thing that we look at for, we work with a lot of existing brands on Amazon, but if they're the right company and they have the appropriate funding and they want to do it well, then we will help some certain brands launch, right? And the first thing that we look at with that is what are the unit economics and mm -hmm. where do you in in that price elasticity question on Amazon, right? Um, so you have to take into account the the fifteen percent on average that uh, they'll Amazon will charge you as a referral fee depending on your category, and then you have to look at your shipping cost, mm -hmm. right? What is it going to cost to ship as well? And then when you look at those two things, you look at your cogs too, and you say, well, what is my margin at the end of the day? based on this because a lot of people will go, oh, that's only selling for 20 bucks. My cogs are five, I'll be great. You know, that's the 75% gross margin. Well, no, because you're not taking the 15% in the shipping. Mm -hmm. So your, your gross margin is actually 25% mm -hmm. before you do advertising. Mm -hmm. And when you do advertising, you know, the first few months before you have reviews, before you have these type of things, you may be at a 100A cost, you may be at 200% A cost. Right now we shoot for your tacos. Typically when you launch your, you know, it's kind of almost a one for one on that. Like I spend $1, I make $1 mm -hmm. on the platform. Sometimes it's, I spend $3, I make $1 on the platform. And you have to look at those things um, until you get the reviews and you really can start to build that up and grow. But what we find is gradually you go from that, you know, 100% tacos, let's call it to 50% tacos to, we have clients that we work with that um, you know, for every dollar they spend on the platform, they make twenty dollars mm -hmm. on the platform, right? And then we have other clients that are really well brand and not optimized and have big retail level that you know, for every one dollar they spend, they make eighty-five dollars on the platform, right? And, and it just depends on where you mm -hmm. are in that cycle. But at the bare minimum, if you're thinking about going into this, run the math first before you invest any real money, or mm -hmm. talk to a legitimate agency that will say this is the deal, this is the investment, this is what you like to look at. What I pretty much recommend for everybody, if you're going to launch a product on Amazon, it's going to, honestly, at the end of the day, cost you thirty dollars to $50,000 per product. And you just have to kind of pencil that in. Right? That's not even yeah. counting, that's not even counting, you know, buying the product and doing those type of things. But we have people come to us all the time that want to do five products. You're like, well, hold up, if you're going to do five products, then you should pencil in $250,000 to do this. Or maybe we should look at the five products you're looking at, choose the best winner, and mm -hmm. then go at that and see what this looks like over a six-month period and mm -hmm. build out from there. So the $30,000, $50,000 to launch a product, this is over a period of, say, six months. Um, yes. And the majority of that fee is going into the paid media to try and figure out what it is that you're doing. 
um, right. who's buying it and so on and so forth. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. That's a really, now you have to pay, you know, and that's from the advertising stuff. It also depends on what agency you work with, standing up the listings, doing those type of things. That's, mm-hmm. uh, always kind of, uh, uh, people try to commoditize listing building, right. And building your listing and doing the images and all those type of things are not, you don't want to go bargain basement when you're doing those type of things mm-hmm. because the images are the number one critical thing that you can have on there, right? Okay. And the content and those things. So if you try to commoditize that, what you'll end up is you'll end up with uh, the head torch that doesn't work and breaks after two weeks, right? Uh, from that side of things. So you really do want to take your time to build out the best listing based on good keyword research, based on really strong images, because particularly when you don't have reviews, you have to look better than everybody else mm-hmm. and look more of a premium brand and stand out those ways. So those are things that you just need to think about when kind of going through this process. So what, uh, I, uh, again, I appreciate this is a very open-ended question, uh, but if you were gonna start today on Amazon, what sort of products would you look at? What sort of products would you avoid? Yeah, um, so, so there's big winners, right? So cosmetics and supplements, are very, very competitive markets on those, but you typically have higher lifetime values, right? Mm-hmm. So supplements and everybody's been golden, going at that golden goose for a long time. Um, but like, I'll tell you like elderberry keyword, you know, the average price on that's like $17 and the cost per click is $9. Wow. Right. So unless you're really converting on that, you're, you're losing money, mm-hmm. right? And you really have to have a offsite strategy with that. So, what I would look at, and you can tell because like you look for elderberry gummies and you'll see that everybody up there has 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 reviews. So mm-hmm. when I'm doing this on the level is I'm looking for something that A, matches the unit economics, kind of running through the formula that I talked about earlier, but also has a longer lifetime value, right? Something that people will come back and repurchase that will mm-hmm. work on drive and save and doing those type of things because it's significantly harder to win on the platform where you spend that much for customer acquisition and then they go away because mm-hmm. like every time I'm just rinsing and repeating the same type of thing compared to like, hey, I got somebody. I love these razor blades. You're my razor blade guy. I want to buy razor blades from you for the next five years. And then your customer acquisition is great because I'm willing to spend two times the cost of the razor blade mm-hmm. to get somebody to buy because I know they're going to be with me for the next two to three years. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very, very helpful. Ryan, listen, I'm aware of time. So let me ask you my, uh, my new favorite question, right? Uh, as you know, the e-commerce cohort is the sponsor for today's podcast. So you're in a hotel, you've just delivered a keynote speech to all the e-commerce cohort dudes who've got together for their annual get together, the shindig, the soiree. Uh, and you've been talking about all this stuff on Amazon, the crowd's going wild. It's going absolutely crazy. Um, and so you kind of go on stage, you take your bow and it's like, listen, I would just like to thank dot, dot, dot. Who do you thank and why? Is it a person? Is it a mentor? Is it a podcast? Is it a book? Who, who, who springs out? Um, it would really have to be the people at Nuance Media who've been through this journey with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been around 12 years and the people really helped me build the brand and grow from that. Um, doing the day in, day out activity and really kind of helping this dream come to life. 
and, and continuing to do that. Um, the other people that person I'd like to really thank is uh, obviously my wife and daughter for dealing with me all the time while, while I'm working on these things. But then um, my mother and my uncle, who are both uh, entrepreneurs in their own level, put out their own shingle, developed it, had a dream, and made it happen. Um, so th that would be the short list. Oh, wow. So I, you I heard the Oscar music in the background, so I'm trying to <laughs> Yes, absolutely. That's really interesting. It's what fascinates me is I've started asking this question. Every uh, husband that comes on the show automatically says, oh, obviously my wife uh, for putting up with me, which is the standard response, uh, which is, still makes me smile. And I think in 10 years' time, I'll still be smiling at that answer just because obviously I'm in the same boat. Um, it's interesting you mentioned your mum and uncle cool though uh and mm. so you, have you come from an entrepreneurial sort of family and background yeah yeah uh, my mother's a psychotherapist she's been practicing for 35 years at this point and put out her own shingle a long time ago and then mm. uh my uncle works with veterans law before it was legal to even represent veterans and get paid for it um va does not great things for our american veterans and he kind of founded that type of law Oh wow! Um, and you know, so and they've been both greatly successful. So they uh, gave me, encouraged me to be delusional enough to start my own company. So, <laughs> that's so. such a great. That's, a, that's a, almost a brilliant epitaph, isn't it? Uh, here lies uh, delusionally enough to start his own business. I quite like that. That's um, that's brilliant. And I was thinking, your mum's a psychotherapist, so do you feel like uh, if you say something, she's kind of analysing what's going on all the time, or is it... Oh, so no, like... we're, we're way beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's some people that are beyond help, right? Uh, so that's the way it works. So you... Um, one of the things to mention is uh, I, mean, I, I came across um, your book, The uh, Marketing is Dead, Long Live Marketing Book, which you wrote in 2019. Now, this is a you mentioned this is more of a B2B book about inbound marketing, right? Um, and I guess my question here is, uh, given that you are an author, you talk a lot about marketing, B2B inbound. Um, obviously, you've talked a lot about Amazon. Since the pandemic, would anything in that book change? Um, so let me just be very clear. So Nuance Media, all we do is e-commerce, Amazon. That, that's all we focus on. And the funny thing with this book is I probably started two years before it actually got published. So this is a long thing that we were kind of working in the background. Um, the compelling thing with business to business practices is they really apply a lot in the consumer side, D2C side too, because mm -hmm. it is about building trust, building credibility, doing these type of things, but particularly more paired to more expensive products. So if you're going to go out and spend, let's say, $2,000 on a telescope, it's actually more of a B2B engagement mm -hmm. than is a D2C typical uh, engagement when you're buying lip liner for $10, yeah. right? Because you can do your research, you look at reviews, you need to make sure it's the best, all these type of things. So that's something that I think would be very interesting is highlighting in that book more how this pairs to high value items mm -hmm. uh, in Amazon and on Google on your website compared to just looking at the B2B side. Because quite frankly, B2B sales are more about risk than anything because somebody's job may be on the line, finding mm -hmm. the right company, doing these type of things. Um, and that's quite frankly why we built out this kind of uh, partner network at Nuance Media. If we're not a good fit for somebody so we can help people still make the good decision 
by a company that's actually been doing this for a while and has vetted a whole bunch of providers on this to make sure you're not um, having an issue with this. Mm. Um, but with this part of it, it is about looking at how higher valued items go through that customer journey um, and how it really pairs to that. So that's something that I probably would have added to the book mm. when looking at that uh, on that side of things. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember when we started the e-commerce podcast. We, it was called the Curiosity Podcast, I think, originally, back in the day before I changed the name. Um, and I remember one of our very first guests on the show was a lady called Chelsea Cohen. Uh, and she. the title of the podcast was How to Sell a $6,000 Sweater Online, right? And I was like, who in the world is going to spend six grand on this? Apparently, there's a lot of people that will spend six grand on a sweater, but let's not go into that. And oh. it's... It was interesting because you, uh, what you're saying is actually if you're in that field, that sort of luxury end, that high end, then actually some of these more B2B principles do apply and you should be aware of them in terms of the customer journey and understanding the customer journey. Um, and that's what she talked about. And I'd say it's interesting, isn't it, how these sort of things call from, come full circle. So uh, so are you going to update the book or are you just going to leave it? Or have you got another book in the pipeline, like How to Kill It on Amazon? Yeah, so we're working on a number of things internally on, on this right now. You can check out our blog. There's a ton of blogs out there. We publish, you know, twice a week. I, I pretty much write a, a quite quite a bit on those type of things. But uh, the blog, I, I mean, the next book, I'm probably going to vet for. I, I have some ideas that I'm entertaining. I'm not willing to say anything at this point, Matt. Okay, uh, okay. Stay tuned on that level. Let me. Dun, dun. Well, when you write the book, come back on the show and let us know what it's all about. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> how to kill it on Amazon. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> so listen. But the problem that we see with books, to be very candid, is that in the D2C space, things are changing so quickly. Mm-hmm. Right? Like B2B principles are kind of historic and they stay that way. There is, uh, you know, prospects versus leads, how you qualify, how you get them in thought leadership, all these type of things. But what we see in, uh, you know, execution on Shopify or Amazon or any of these things is just changing dynamically on a day-to-day. So I don't mm. know if the book model, to be in some ways, is an outdated level. There, There's arguments that a classic college education is outdated as well because things are mm. changing so quickly. And I don't mm. know if that doesn't necessarily apply to the book as well. Yeah, one of the things I've noticed about the podcast is obviously you, you see the stats and you see which episodes do well. And there are some episodes which come out and they do well straight away. And there are some episodes which do well over a period of time. There are people still down, downloading certain episodes from two, two and a half years ago because they're kind of the, what they call evergreen content. It seems to be always constantly relevant, uh, which is, I think, hard to do with e-commerce. I mean, some of it's pretty, you know, there are some standard principles. But... Even in markets that change a lot, there's still some, some sort of some consistencies on there. And I find I find the whole thing really fascinating in terms of what works right now and what's going to work in a few years. You just you never know, you know, in terms right. of the content that we put out. Well, and, but something that I always get is like, if you don't have your fundamentals down, don't worry about the bright new thing. And that's mm-hmm. the one thing I have to say that I believe Nuance probably does better than everybody else is. We get your fundamentals down to where they really need mm-hmm. before you start playing with the new cute thing that may work or may not work. Because you have a lot of people doing it, kind of to go back that old and the old uh, 
Shopify thing that I said at the beginning, hey, I need to run a million dollar ad campaign on Google, but my website's taking five to 10 seconds to load, mm-hmm. right? You need to make sure that those things are really taken mm-hmm. care of first before you do that. So if your fundamentals aren't good, if you don't have good reviews, you don't have a good product listing, you're not analyzing, you're not tracking, then any bright new shiny thing that you're going to do isn't going to work for you. And we honestly find on Amazon and other platforms that the vast majority of competitors are not doing it to the level that they need to be doing it to be Mm -hmm. successful in this new age. There's a mic drop moment right there, isn't there? So uh, if you're, and in fact, if you are, I take it then, if you are on Amazon and you're planning doing some kind of strategy, the advantage at the moment is not everyone's on there. There are a lot of things which are competitive, but most of them aren't doing what they need to do for for the for the long term for for winning on Amazon the the growth driven strategy which you talked about and that's where the opportunity is right now. Correct. In, in fact, we've put out a guide that you can download at our site at nuancedmedia.com. It's a growth driven kind of strategy, Amazon growth driven strategy guide. Uh, and you can go on there, it'll pop up after you're on the site for about five minutes. That kind of goes over some of these key principles, what we see and really how you should be focusing on some of the things that we actually covered in this uh, conversation today. Yeah, fantastic. So do download that free guide from nuancemedia.com. How do people reach you? How do people connect, Ryan, if they want to reach out, no more, connect? Sure, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, I'm on, uh, I got an email, I got all the things, but primarily ways to reach out uh, is through the website directly or through Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm probably the most active on LinkedIn. Although Matt and I kind of talked about this, uh, my, uh, please don't judge me for my Twitter presence at this point. Uh, we've been growing pretty quickly here at Nuance Media, and I prioritize uh, maintaining our long-term relationships with our active clients compared to, uh, you know, social media posts and those types of things. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you, but don't judge me on my Twitter feed either. Uh, it's just... It's not helpful. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm, I'm more than my Twitter feed. I, I feel like I, you know, <laughs> that's, that's maybe a book I should write, why I'm more than my Twitter feed. Uh, listen, it's been great to talk to you, Ryan. And of course, we will link to Ryan's LinkedIn, his Twitter, his websites, get the, uh, the, uh, the strategy guide, all that sort of stuff you'll find in the transcripts and show notes, which are available on the e-commerce podcast website, ecommercepodcast.net. So there you have it, uh, my conversation with Ryan. Thanks again, Ryan, for joining me. It's been an absolute treat and a pleasure, bud. And uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, Big shout out again to today's show sponsor, the e-commerce cohort. Do head over to ecommercecohort.com for more information about this new type of e-commerce community that you can join. Be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast wherever you get your podcasts from because we've got some great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you today, you, my friend, are awesome utterly awesome it's just a burden we all have to bear can i get an amen ryan amen Uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's just the way it is now the e-commerce podcast is produced by orion media you can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app the team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bainon, Josh Catchpole, Estella Robin, and Tim Johnson. Our theme song has been written by Josh Edmondson and my good self. As I mentioned, if you'd like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the ecommercepodcast.net website 
where you can also sign up for our newsletter coincidentally. So that's it from me. That's it from Ryan. Thanks for joining us this week. Have a fantastic week wherever you are. I will see you next time. Bye for now. Thank you.